I'm your host, Andrew, and this week we have a very special treat. This will be the first of two Live from Tidewater Comic Con 2019 panels that we will be presenting on the podcast in the next couple of days. The first one here is, however, not me, so you will not hear my charming voice for the next 45 minutes or so, but in fact, that of my lovely wife, Becky. Becky is presenting on a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts and something that is very important, I think, generally to comics and something that really needs to be worked on, and that is disability representation in comics. So without further ado, please enjoy Becky's 2019 disability representation in comics panel. Okay, everybody, welcome. Uh, my name is Becky, and uh, this panel is on disability representation in comics. Um, before I get started, you can probably figure out who two of these characters are, and you may know who the third one is, um, but may not know why she's there. So does anybody know who's in the middle? Jubilee. Jubilee. Do you, does anybody know why she's there? Yeah? She is from the X-Men. But does anybody know that she has a disability? Yeah? She has dyscalculia, which is a learning disability affecting math. Um, she was the only character in, uh, in DC and Marvel who I could find who had a learning disability, uh, which is really interesting because it's actually like the most prevalent disability. Um, so yeah, so just wanted to throw her up there. I didn't get a chance to uh, read the comic uh, where that's revealed. I think it's Wolverine 52, maybe. I bought it, and then I didn't read it because I had a baby six weeks ago, and I just, like, my life just went, you know, kaputs. But uh, anyways, so I wanted to do this panel because there's a lot of talk about diversity in comics and in media, and most of the time people are talking about gender and race and religion and sexuality and all those things. But a demographic that often gets left out is disabilities. Um, so I wanted to see how are characters with disabilities represented in comics? Um, are they accurate portrayals? What could we be doing better? Um, so why does representation matter? First of all, one in five people has a disability. So it's 20% of the population, and it's all inclusive. It doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your sexuality, gender, it doesn't matter age. You can be born with a disability or you can acquire one later in life. So it's an all-encompassing group, um, and it's 20% of the population. And when we include diversity, regardless of what kind of diversity it is. But when we include diversity in comics and in literature and in media, it doesn't diminish enjoyment. You don't have to be black to like Black Panther. You don't have to be female to like Wonder Woman. And you don't have to be blind to like Daredevil. Uh, it doesn't impact your ability to follow their story arc, to root for them while they're defeating a bad guy. Um, so if there's no harm to it, why not include more characters with diverse backgrounds? Um, and then... My personal reason uh, for why it matters is that 13% of uh, the student body in America is being served for a disability in schools. So that's 13% of kids who want to see themselves represented. And in, especially in special ed, a lot of 
kids with disabilities, it impacts uh, their literacy, their ability to read. So comics are actually a great way to help encourage literacy. If you have a, a high schooler who struggles to read, they're not going to want to walk around with spot can hop or whatever. And they're also not going to read uh, you know, A Tale of Two Cities. That's going to be too difficult. So both of those situations are going to discourage them from developing a love of reading and a love of literature. Whereas comics in the visual, visual medium um, allows for better reading comprehension. If you're missing out some of those words, you can look at the panels and try and, and it helps you figure it out. And it's age appropriate. Like I can, I can be a high schooler and reading a comic and it's cool as opposed to you know reading something that was written for an elementary schooler. So for those kids with disabilities, it's even more important that they get seen uh, in comics because we can use that as an educational tool. So my background is uh, in special ed, specifically deaf ed, um, and, and a personal story I have for representation is uh, my first year of teaching, my first day, I had all the kids introduce themselves and they went around and they specified if they were deaf or if they were hard of hearing because that was an identification that was important to them. And so the last little boy uh, comes up and he goes, my name is Sam and I'm hearing. I'm like, you're hearing? And all this is in sign language because he was definitely not hearing. <laughs> he was completely deaf. I'm like, what are you talking about? And we had a conversation and he had never met a deaf adult before. So in his mind, when he grew up, he was gonna become hearing just like his parents, just like his teachers, just like every other, deaf, every other adult he had met. So my first day of teaching, I'm explaining to a second grader that no, you're, you're deaf. Like that's, that's part of who you are. That's going to remain part of your identity uh, for the rest of your life. And you know, that's why representation matters. Um, so just in case, I assume everybody here, you know, would understand that. But just in case, you know, you have a person who is like, well, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not disabled. What does it matter? Um, including disability awareness in our everyday lives actually contributes to society in general. If you have ever used an elevator, an automatic door, text messaging, video chats, voice to text, text to voice, if you've ever driven and seen a street sign, used a front-loading washing machine. Or if you've ever used a microphone or listened to speakers, like you are all doing right now, these are all technologies that are based in helping people with disabilities. So when we become more aware of the struggles that people with disabilities have, and we look for solutions, oftentimes those solutions help everybody else. Um, as a side note, uh, how many of you had to take the elevator to get up here? I know you did. You took the elevator. How hard was that? Yeah. So the elevator, if you don't know, in the convention center, <laughs> the elevator in the convention center is all the way at the other end of the building. There's only one. You have to go down a corridor through a door to, uh, you know, a narrow door that they have only opened one, one door of the two um, to get through. And then come back up. Once you're on the second level, there's a stanchion in the way that blocks you from getting through when you're on the side of the elevator. Um, so just because, uh, th this is just my own little soapbox, just because something is uh, ADA compliant doesn't make it accessible. 
the buttons on that elevator are also not good if you're blind. That's a whole nother tangent, but I'm here to talk about comics. So <laughs> I just wanted to go off on that. And if, if we're all, if we all become more aware of, uh, of the struggles and of, of making people's with disabilities lives easier, it'll make all of our lives easier. I use the elevator because I had two little boys in a stroller and I don't have a physical disability, but I needed the elevator and it was tough. Um, it just inconvenient. It wasn't hard, but it was inconvenient. Um, so anyways, so the kinds of disabilities that are represented, so what I did is I went through, I just went through Marvel and DC at first um, to look at characters with disabilities because those two are the big two and they're arguably the most influential in culture and society. And I just looked at comics, not television or, or film or other sorts of media. I just looked at comics, just looked at Marvel and DC. I found 50 characters. I struggled to find 50 characters uh, with disabilities. And I went through and categorized what disabilities they had. And in comics, 72% were either blind, paralyzed, or an amputee. Um, so, and I think if you include other physical disabilities like uh, dwarfism or um, like just general weakness, like uh, Donald Blake, Thor's alter ego, um, it actually came up to like 86% what, between blindness and physical disabilities. Um, so in looking at Department of Education, uh, one and a half percent of students in schools are either blind or have a physical disability. Um, the number is kind of off because sometimes you don't need special ed services uh, with those kinds of disabilities. Um, and for in adulthood, those numbers increase because accidents, illnesses happen just as you age. The 65 and overcrowd push that demographic like way over the top. But, um, but in general, the number of uh, people in the real world who are blind or, uh, or paralyzed or amputees is way less than in the comic world. So why is that? And I swear I'm actually getting to comics and characters <laughs> eventually, but um, this is just kind of background stuff that I, I think is important. Maybe nobody else does, but, um, but why are these two so prevalent? For one, it's easy to visualize. You see a wheelchair, you see a cane, you instantly know somebody has a disability and have a good idea of what that disability is. And when you're talking a visual medium like comics, easy to visualize is important. Um, they're easy concepts for able-bodied people to understand. You can sit in a wheelchair and imagine what it's like. You can put on a blindfold and imagine what it's like. It's not like living it every day, but you have an idea of it. It's a lot easier than trying to imagine being deaf. Even if you put in earplugs, you're never gonna be completely deaf. It's easier than imagining you have Down syndrome. There's no way to simulate that. Um, so these are concepts that readers who are not disabled can relate to a little bit more easily. Um, the other thing is it doesn't impact speech, which you may be like, well, why does that matter? Because we have an innate bias that says speech is related to intelligence. Um, and, and I have it too, and I work with deaf people. Like I, um, my, uh, in college, I had a professor who was deaf and who only used 
uh, ASL to communicate. And I knew her for about a year before I heard her use her voice ever. And as soon as she started speaking, I just instantly had a very patronizing feeling come over me. Like I had to take care of her. I had to help her out and everything. This is a woman with multiple college degrees, a college professor. I'm this little undergrad person. She does not need my help in any way, shape or form. But I just instantly, as soon as I heard her voice, because she couldn't speak clearly, um, I instantly had that bias. Of course, I recognized that I had that bias and didn't let it impact our relationship. Um, But I reflected back and I was like, that was so weird that as soon as she opened her mouth, all of a sudden my esteem for her went down. Um, And so in general, most of us have that. Um, An example, I'm finally getting to comics and characters. Uh, Maya Lopez, who's from Daredevil, uh, otherwise known as Echo, is a deaf character. And in her very first introduction, they go out of their way to explain that she speaks normally. She says, they say I can recreate any complex physical action that my eyes record. That's why my speech is not slurred. Like, why was that necessary to include? Um, It makes the writer's job easier because they don't have to write her speech out phonetically. And it makes the other characters she interacts with job easier because they don't have to struggle to understand her. Um, But there was no real reason to include that. in my opinion. I mean, it does, it also makes her interactions when she's fighting easier. She doesn't have to hide her identity. If, if she had a very distinctive speech pattern, um, she, it would be harder for her to hide her identity. But that's the job of the writers. You're a comic writer. You get creative, come up with different solutions to it. So um, you've, what they've done is, is they've taken away everybody else's difficulty in understanding her and just left her with a difficulty understanding everybody else, which is a kind of sucky thing to do to a person, even if it's a fictional person. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's one example of ableism uh, that's in comics and in, in media in general. Um, so ableism is when able-bodied people are uh, you know, discriminatory, oftentimes without realizing it, towards people with disabilities. Um, often there's this sense that somebody with a disability must feel broken. They must, you know, not want to have their disability. And sure, we all feel sorry for ourselves sometimes. Um, But oftentimes, especially for people who are born with their disability, it's just a part of who they are. And, And, you know, everything, every aspect of your life has brought you to where you are today and the person you are today. So oftentimes people are like, I don't necessarily want to be cured. Would it make life easier? Sure, but in some regards, but it wouldn't make me the person I am today. So it's a lot less prevalent, the idea that, uh, you know, curing a disability is the goal, is a lot less prevalent than people who are not disabled think. Um, But because we tend to think that, in comics, we cure disabilities a lot. Uh, Professor X has been in and out of his chair multiple times. Um, and you see in this panel, uh, he says, oh, where does it go? Uh, my new body is in perfect condition. I feel for the first time uh, that I am a whole man. Well, no, your value is not based on where you sit. Um, and he should know better than that. 
Uh, but the writers should know better than that. Um, so not so we have Professor X. We have um, Barbara Gordon, who I'll get to in a little while, who uh, is an excellent character uh, with a disability, except when they relaunched uh, the New 52, they got rid of her disability. And it's like, why? Why was that necessary? Um, and, and it sucks for the readers for whom a cure is not an option. You know, I'm looking up to this character, and then all of a sudden, oh, they got cured. Well, you know, good for them, but that still leaves me here um, without somebody to look up to. Uh, so I will get to some good examples in a second, but I wanted to discuss possibly, in my opinion, the worst portrayal of a disability, um, which is uh, Black Manta, who was given autism, I would say given, uh, in 2003 for exactly one issue. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my first issue is that they cure his autism in the first issue. Uh, Aquaman comes across him and he has his healing hand and he goes, okay, well, I'm going to cure him. Okay, well, what was the point of giving him autism if you're going to just take it away? Um, and then their portrayal of, uh, of what autism is, is they say, oh, well, it's, it's his wires are crossed in his brain. He, he likes things that he shouldn't like, like ice cold baths and uh and he doesn't like things that he should like a soft blanket and he his his brain is just all mixed up and that's what autism is and that is not what autism is at all um honestly most of the time people uh with autism are thinking more logically than the rest of us um they might have their wires might be uh be overflowing on one particular topic but it's not that you're thinking backwards or anything like that or thinking wrong, which is why they use his autism to explain why he's a villain. Oh yeah, they also, uh, when they cure his autism, he goes, oh, my head is clear for once. Well, somebody with autism doesn't think that their brain isn't working properly. To them, that's just how their brain works. My brain works a certain way. If somebody else were to get into my brain, they'd probably think I was nuts, which I might be, but that's fine. Um, but to say that, that somebody, again, recognizes that he's different and that he, he wants his brain to think clearly, that's it's a broad and inaccurate portrayal. Um, so, yeah, so then they use his autism to explain why he was a bad guy. Um, he says, all I can say is I had a developmental disability and my autism was compounded by misdiagnosis and years of abuse. The only good thing that comes out of this book is um, that they do show the abuse that can happen when people don't understand uh, disabilities, don't need, know how to deal with it. Um, but yeah, he goes, I, Arthur, I know some bad things happened, but it wasn't me, it was the autism. What? <laughs> Later on, later on, he goes back to his villainous ways and he goes back to being Aquaman's uh, arch nemesis because, as it turns out, he was just a bad guy. It had nothing to do with his disability. Um, but the absolute worst panel, and my husband heard me like screaming as I was reading this, came, oh, hold on, 
there we go. Um, Aquaman says, it was the autism that made you act the way you did in the bad old days. Once I used the healing hand to cure your developmental disability, you became a good man to have at my back. Again, your value as a person is not dependent on your abilities, is not dependent on whether you have a disability or not. Curing a disability does not make you a good person. Like, I, I really was, I was sitting there with my toddler and I'm like, reading this and I'm just like, ah, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is something wrong with the baby? No, no. This comic is just making me mad. Um, so this is possibly like, I like to give them credit cause they tried to give a character with autism, but no, it's, it's a really crappy portrayal. Um, so let's, let's focus on some good portrayals like Barbara Gordon. Um, she was paralyzed after uh, the events in The Killing Joke. Uh, Joker shoots her, and the resulting injury leaves her paralyzed from the waist down. Um, she definitely does become upset by her new limitations, as you would. Um, it's very natural. But she also then focuses on what she can do instead of what she can't do. So uh, in this panel... Uh, she was like, do you think I like sending people out to do the work for me? Like, I used to be able to do all these things, and now I can't. And yeah, it sucks. But, and she's talking uh, to Black Canary, and she's like, but I can't do it, and you can, so get your butt up and go do it. Um, so she, she shifts the focus back to what she can do. She's an excellent tactician. She's excellent with technology. She becomes the leader of their group by focusing on her abilities rather than her disability. Um, the other thing I like about the uh, Birds of Prey book and her portrayal in there is um, it, it shows her doing physical therapy and it shows her adaptive technology. It shows her, her special chair that gets her in and out of the pool. She's swimming while directing Black Canary on how to defeat the bad guy. Um, She's working on her upper body. Okay, yeah, my lower body isn't functioning properly right now, but I can still be a physical person, even with a physical disability. So, um, so yeah, she, she was a really great example of a person with a disability in a wheelchair who was still a very successful superhero. Yeah. Right now in the Young Justice um, Season 3, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that hasn't been revealed yet because um, they only did the first half of season three up until like the end of January, and then at the beginning of June they're starting to, they're doing the rest of the season three. So hopefully we'll know why we're recording. <laughs> it's not really present or known to people, but I just wanted to put that out there for anybody who, who um, didn't know about what was going on in the new season of Young Justice. Thank you. Um, yeah, and... You know, that's, that is one thing um, 
the, the reason I focused on comics in this was because the comics are what influence the the TV shows and the movies. And sometimes they're better and sometimes they're worse. And um, But they are the basis uh, for it. So another excellent example uh, of portraying somebody with a disability is Hawkeye number 19 from the Fraction AHA run. Um, uh, Clint Barton originally lost his hearing in the comics in 1983, but then the writers just kind of like, forgot about it like he was going strong for a while and then they just kind of forgot to include it forgot to draw his hearing aid forgot to you know have people looking at him when they're talking and so his hearing loss just kind of dissipated and wasn't brought up anymore so Matt Fraction decided that he wanted to bring that aspect of the character back when he took over writing um to do so he wrote it that he he retconned it a little bit and said he first lost his hearing as a child and gained it back. Um, it was more of a physical cause of hearing loss rather than I, I know what I would be saying, <laughs> but most people would not know what I'm talking about when I talk about hearing loss. So just he was given a cause of hearing loss that was able to be fixed. Let's just leave it at that. Not many can, but we'll, we'll give it to him. Um, and then he lost it again as an adult. Um, but because he had lost his hearing as a child, he and his brother Barney had learned ASL back then to communicate. So when he lost it again as an adult, they were able to just pick up and their ability to communicate with each other was not lost. Um, this issue does an excellent job of um, utilizing sign language. Um, and part of the reason is they actually consulted uh, Rachel Coleman, who is the founder of Signing Time, which is a very popular um, sign language instructional series, mostly used with, with kids and especially with hearing kids. But um, she founded it because her daughter, Leah, who the issue is actually dedicated to, was born deaf. And so when her daughter was born, she decided to learn ASL. And then she built this whole sign language empire um, out of that. So Fraction and AHA actually um, consulted with her to make sure that the signs in the book are accurate. Um, now, if you don't know sign language, you are going to miss some information. And that's the point. Um, somebody who is deaf is missing information all the time in their daily lives. So for the hearing reader who doesn't know ASL, they're missing information. It's a way of simulating deafness um, by actually using your hearing against you. Um, so you can kind of pick up a few things. Like um, in this panel, uh, Barney's telling him, you stink, you know, are you going to take a shower today? Maybe you change your clothes. And Clint's like, yeah, forget you. And you can kind of figure that out if you don't know ASL. Um, but then you have a panel like this. Okay, they're talking and they're saying something to each other. And yeah, if you don't know those signs, and I tested this out, I handed it to my husband and I was like, what, what do you think this means? And he's like, uh, he's probably telling him it's okay, you know, you'll get through it. He's not. What he's saying is, now what do you remember? Um, Barney's like, let's get back to work, let's defeat some bad guys, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Um, but you don't know that if you don't know ASL. And that's exactly the point of this book. Um, 
And it also does a pretty good job of portraying uh, lip reading, which oftentimes is, okay, well, if you can read lips, you can understand 100% of what's going on. At best, it's like 20%. And we'll give Clint a little bit more because he had hearing for a majority of his life, which does make it a little bit easier. Um, But what they've done here is they've cut off a couple of letters to simulate missing a couple of the sounds. You have to fill in the blanks a lot of times. There's question marks. He's like, I'm not sure if that's the word that he's saying, but I think based on context clues. And so you have to work to figure it out. So this does a pretty good job of simulating that skill, which unfortunately is some lip reading and speech reading is something that we just like give to deaf characters just to make our lives easier. Um, when in reality, it's it's not that easy. Uh huh. It is. Do you have hearing aids? Or cochlear implant? Okay. Well, I will say, um, you know, yeah. The, okay. That's fair. That's fair. No? That's fair. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I have to go back to my deaf ed teacher uh, and repeat what she just said for the rest of the class using the microphone and amplification. Um, so she said that as a lip reader, uh, her comprehension is way more than 20%. And yeah, that's true. For some people, it is a lot. It's a lot higher. Um, in general, it's a very tough skill, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, so it has lip reading and speech reading in there. And then eventually, for a little while, Clint is feeling bad for himself. He's going through a little depressive, uh, depressive state. Makes sense. We've all, well, maybe not all of us have gone through depressive states, but, um, but it makes sense. You go through uh, a big life moment, losing your hearing in you know, a fight is a big life moment, in a blast, whatever. Um, and so he goes through this little depressive stage feeling sorry for himself and then he picks himself back up and he shifts the focus back to what can I do? I can still communicate. It's just different now. Um, and I can still beat the bad guys in this panel. He's saying they're never going to stop. So I will stop them. So yeah, he's like, okay, felt sorry for myself for a little bit. Let's keep going. Um, so, I originally just focused on Marvel and DC because those are the big ones. They're the most well-known. And if somebody's just quickly wants to find a character to look up to, those are probably the first two that they're going to go to. Um, but there are lots of other books that are now coming out um, through independent publishers. And a lot of them are focused more towards the kids, which is great. Because again, that's a population that really needs uh, to have people to look up to. So uh, one book was, is El Defo. Um, it's a graphic novel featuring a little bunny girl and, uh, and she loses her hearing and she uses a hearing aid and she turns her hearing aid into her superpower. Um, like she can hear her teachers when nobody else can because they left their FM system on and it's, going, it's looping back into her hearing aid. And so she uses it as her superpower. Um, 
And this one is available on Comixology. I also know last time I was at Local Heroes, I saw a copy of it on their shelves. So if anybody's interested, I know it's there. Um, there's also Superb, uh, which is a new comic that's come out. It features um, a boy with Down syndrome, which people with intellectual disabilities are vastly underrepresented in comics. Um, as I said, Jubilee was the only one with a learning disability. I couldn't find any with intellectual disabilities. Um, so, uh, so this this character has Down syndrome, but he also has superpowers, and he is really excited to use them and wants to save the world. And he's doing a good job and takes down the bad guys, despite the fact that he has an intellectual disability. Um, and then. Uh, that one's also available in Comixology. Uh, there's the Department of Ability, which um, is only available in England, uh, but it was written by a father whose daughter had spina bifida and is wheelchair bound, and he wanted to create characters, uh, characters that she could look up to. So, um, like I said, that one's you can order off of their website, Department of Ability. Um, I haven't checked it out. But, um, and they're based in London. I don't know if they ship to the U.S., but yeah, maybe someday. Um, and then, so uh, I'm really glad that I gave this presentation today instead of yesterday, because yesterday when walking on the convention hall floor, um, I ran into a gentleman, Nate Sparks, who's hanging out in the back over there, um, who has a new comic out called Spin featuring... Uh, a young man who is in a wheelchair and his friend who has a prosthetic arm and they're 12 year old kids and they are focused on using the tools that they have um, to take down the bullies. They don't have superpowers, but they trick out uh, Lucas's chair. He starts off in the first issue. Um, he's able to walk and then he's in an accident uh, that paralyzes him from the waist down. And, uh, his friend Mickey is tricks out his chair, and he actually does a better job of um, defeating his bullies in the chair than he did when he could walk. So again, he's he's using you know what's available to him, um, and and so it's it was just really fortuitous that I was walking past that booth yesterday. Um, so he's an artist alley. If anybody wants to to check him out in the first issue of of that book um so kind of final thoughts and i actually went faster than i thought so we can have a discussion at the end um uh, i was reading one com oh shoot what was it it was action comics uh, hold on 584 um because the character jericho who is uh mute uses sign language in that um in that issue, and I read it, and, um, and the sign language is not accurate. He's moving his hands, but that's about as close to ASL as it gets. Um, but as it turned out, the plot of this issue is that uh, a man with a physical disability, he's in crutches, um, 
uses a mind swapper because comics uh, to to swap his <laughs> to swap his body with Superman's. Um, so he he in his mind goes into super, Superman's body and Superman's mind goes into his body and uh, then he goes on this rampage and everybody's like we have to stop superman he's gone crazy and he hasn't he's just his mind's been taken over blah blah again comics um but at the end of it superman goes into one of his you know uh kind of inspirational speeches and um the man gunderson uh, he says, I'm back in my own crippled, useless body, trapped again in a world that scorns me, that forces me into obscurity. And, you know, Superman's like, it's not that bad. Well, you're Superman. Come on, dude. <laughs> um, so uh, he says, it's not your body that makes you a cripple. It's your mind. Okay. Mm. <laughs> There's a positive attitude is important. But, um, uh, but yeah, like there's, um, a woman, I think Stella Young, I think, uh, she did a Ted talk. Um, she is in a wheelchair and she, she was talking about inspiration porn and, um, how they're like memes that show a person with a disability overcoming some insurmountable odd. And it says, you know, the only, uh, the only disability is a bad attitude. And she's like. I can think as positively as I like. It's not going to turn those stairs into a ramp. Um, You know, disabilities exist and they do cause issues. And saying like, oh, you just need to get over it is not exactly the best way of approaching it. Um, Swapping your mind with Superman and then going on a rampage, also not recommended. Um, But, and and he does go in, Superman says, there's Helen Keller, who became one of our greatest authors, even though she was blind and deaf. Uh, Douglas Bader, who was a legless fighter, I've never heard of him, but uh, legless fighter uh, ace of World War II. And Franklin Roosevelt, who became president of the United States, even though he was confined to a wheelchair. And he makes a point. There are people with disabilities to look up to who have experienced success, but we don't see as many of them and uh, Franklin Roosevelt, for example, was almost never photographed in a wheelchair because he didn't want anybody to know that he had a disability. So we need to work harder to, to set up role models and, and give people somebody to look up to and make them more visible um, in the media uh, because otherwise they're going to use mind swap technology and go on rampages in Superman's body. That's really the only logical explanation. Uh, the, the only logical, you know, end result. Um, so before I get into, we'll have a few minutes for comments. Um, I have to do a shameless plug. I don't have, uh, anything to promote here. I'm just, you know, somebody who found this topic interesting. Uh, so I'm going to promote, this is my husband's podcast, um, Some Assembly Required. He goes over uh, issue by issue, The Avengers. Um, and uh, if, if anybody has any other um, things they want to bring up, any other comics, any other media um, that have good portrayals of people with disabilities, let me know and I'll take over his website and his podcast one day and put them up there uh, to share with everybody. I can say that because he's not in the room right now. Um, 
Okay. Um, yeah, if you want to, so what's what's your webcomic that you're working on? Uh, right now it's called uh, Cat Calls and Cat Calls and, and what? Okay. Okay. And I have a website, but it's really now, but I'm not Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, let me, I, I will stop by. Let me know where you're located. And I'll, I'll stop by and get your information and I'll put it up um, with, this will also be going up as a podcast um, on, on my husband's podcast. So, um, so I will include, include that in there. Uh, so, so she said she has a webcomic featuring, featuring an autistic character. Nice. Okay. Um, so any other any questions? Any other people, characters? Uh, there's lots of characters I missed. It's a 45-minute presentation. But um, but any other, like, favorite characters people have? Deadpool. Uh-huh. There's, so I considered discussing mental health but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, you know, you've got characters uh, like Scarlet Witch, like who, you know, just destroys an entire, creates an alternate universe and, you know. Uh, yeah, there, there's, and so part of the problem, mental health definitely deserves, it deserves its own panel. It deserves its own like day. Uh, but especially in comics, I find it's hard. We, we often are like just self-diagnosing the characters like I think that person has bipolar. I think that person's schizophrenic, um, and so oftentimes it's a little bit um, unclear uh, in terms of whether somebody actually has a mental health issue. A lot of times, it's caused by their um, their abilities, or you know, especially like with the mutants, um, not wanting their mutant abilities or um, you know, dealing with the consequences of their mutant abilities. Um, so I did not touch on mental health, but absolutely that is, um, that is a topic and there are lots of characters to choose from. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's there's lots of invisible disabilities out there. And uh, and again, like sticking a character in a wheelchair is easy when you're writing a comic. Um, but I personally would like more invisible disabilities to be out there. Um, Uh huh. Which like my the, the single story brain don't exactly feel like my name. And like I've never seen that anywhere. I never yeah. even heard I never even heard the word. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay, so I learned something new. Um so she was saying she has dyspraxia and apparently um I haven't 
caught up with Doctor Who. I'm like still on like the beginnings of Matt Smith, so <laughs> please forgive me. But um, <laughs> uh, but apparently one of the companions now uh, now or just recently. Okay. 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 Cool. So one of the new companions has has dyspraxia. So. I, with I think with all diversity, we're starting to be more conscious of it, include it in more in more media, um, but we still need to do a better job of it. And again, more more of the unknown disabilities, more of the invisible disabilities. Um, not everybody's in a wheelchair. Not everybody's blind. So yeah, yes. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And it's been very poorly misrepresented in the media, especially in recent years. Since November, three people have been kicked out of public places for their Tourette syndrome. So I would like, I would personally like more representation for Tourette syndrome just because it gets so misrepresented. Everybody calls it the cursing disorder, which is not true. That wording out of leukemia league is called Kokolawe. It's only in 10% of the Tourette population, so it's not even that common. Yep. That's actually an excellent point. My my husband actually has Tourette's, and he will not watch any documentaries about it because that's all that they feature. And honestly, my uh, because it's it's genetic. My two sons very may very well may end up having Tourette's. We don't know yet because they're itty bitty but um but yeah so yeah Tourette's is something that is near and dear to my heart as well um we are just about out of time they're gonna open the doors any second so I don't want to get too deep in more conversations but okay one more um so you're talking about representation <laughs> uh-huh and oftentimes in the mainstream media it's the mainstream perspective and they have no access outside of a wheelchair uh-huh um, Right, right. We we all we all need to like, That's what I'm like yeah. We're this right. World, then we have to create it within our own world. Yes. Exactly. Right, right. So you know, write to people. Write to be creative. Develop your own web comic. Develop you know, do, pitch things. Absolutely, absolutely. It's up to all of us to make things more inclusive you know if if we only see straight white male non-disabled superheroes and nobody says hey i'd like to see something different that's all we're gonna continue to see so diversity with race, with gender, with anything, an ability level, we, we need to stand up and say that we would like to see more diversity in all aspects, because um, otherwise they don't know. So anyways, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm about to get kicked out. So uh, thank you all, and yeah. <laughs>